What if I told you those scattered Google notes, draft social posts, and notebooks filled with unshared stories could be a fast pass to a more fulfilling life waiting for you, but only if you publish them. Learning to just press publish changed my life for the better as a woman, mom, and writer. Now I wanna create the same transformation for you. I'm your host, Erin Galloway, multi-passionate author and ally for storytellers. I started Habitize Publishing to support storytellers, including kids, CEOs, senior citizens, and now you, to share your voices and spark more joy than you ever thought was possible. I hope after today's episode, you'll publish one piece you've been holding back on and see where the journey takes you. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of the Press Publish podcast. I have the pleasure of doing another unscripted interview today with a longtime friend and a writing partner. I know her as a thought leader in strategic planning and team development, but I think that she has a thought leadership book just waiting to be published at some point in time in her career, but she hasn't pursued it yet. And I know that her experience is like so many of you, you have experience, you have expertise, and you have a network who come to you to solve a particular problem. But most of the work that you do is either in small groups or one-on-one And it is possible to add a published book to your opportunities to connect with people, but it may not feel there just yet. And so Jonlin's going to chat with us today about why she hasn't pursued publishing, what she's thought about with publishing, and maybe when it's going to be that tipping point for her to explore that type of opportunity for the field that she works in. So, Jonalyn, welcome to the episode today. Thank you. I'm honored to be here, Erin. And first and foremost, happy birthday. Oh, well, thank you. Jonalyn is part of my uh, birthday blitz recording marathon that I am doing. Uh, So I'm so excited to have her. She is a longtime friend. And as I did say, a writing partner on a couple of different projects. And so I know what she's capable of, and now sitting in the shoes that I sit in for publishing not just children's books, but people who are professional coaches, therapists, educators, I see the potential of a book within her, um, and I'm so excited to just explore that opportunity with you today with people listening to our conversation. Awesome. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. So... How would you describe the industry that you're in? And as you describe that, if you could also talk about people that you've looked to who have published books in that industry, or maybe there's a gap in those types of books that perhaps you've thought for yourself, like, oh, I could help fill that gap. Yeah. So I'm a coaching consultant. And I have been both independently and within firms for about eight years now, which is really exciting. I feel really lucky to get to do what I do every day, which is to support leaders and teams in implementing strategy. 
whether it's for a small business, whether it's a family office, a foundation, a nonprofit, kind of work across industries, but with people first. So really it's it's really around kind of that team building, how to support leaders, both kind of the formal and informal leaders. So the folks that you see in C-suites, but also the folks that are that are leading across an institution and I get to support them in doing that. So it's, it's really amazing, amazing to do that. And, you know, like you said, I haven't, I haven't published, I've been a co-author on some research that I had done when I was at university of Maryland, but that's really formal research, which if you know me and you could see me right now, you know, I'm not a very formal person. So writing that has stemmed from myself, I haven't, I haven't really done that outside of work for clients. So I do think that kind of in the coaching and consulting space, there are lots of folks who have published lots of different things, whether it's, you know, good to great and how organizations move from being good organizations to great organizations or, you know, case studies on, on work that's been done, on which I have done a few case studies or a few a few pieces like that, but nothing formally published. So I think part of the reason I haven't published is it's one, pretty saturated in the coaching and consulting space. And two, it is, it's, it's really around models, like models of coaching, models of consulting. And, and maybe it's because I haven't officially been able to define what my model is. I think it's different than what everyone else does not that it's an exceptional way of doing it, but really it's it's people oriented, it's people first. And that means that every client I work with, it's different because it's whoever that team is and whoever that leader is. And so modeling that is is a little bit hard to do, which I know, Aaron, you're gonna push me on that because I you have been for years now to say what is what is the Jonalyn model? I don't know uh, what you're talking about. No, I'm I know. I'm not going you to push you in yeah, any way. Ne- never, never. <laughs> but then you'll end this and say, but did I ask, right? But did I ask? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would say that's, you know, there's there's a ton. And, and I have a lot of respect and admiration for folks who have published in this space. I think for me, I haven't really, I haven't. One, I'm not sure people would be interested. <laughs> Two, <laughs> I I haven't I haven't I probably haven't paused long enough to actually do that. I just I'm I love to do the work and kind of taking a pause in the work is important, and I need to do it. And from that may or may not stem some writing. So I think I went on a tangent, which all of you listening, I will do just so you know. You are just fine because, you know, that's part of why I do these as unscripted because these are real and authentic conversations. And it is a common place where people like yourself do what you do so naturally that it doesn't feel unique or it doesn't feel like it might have a particular place on a bookshelf And yet there are obviously plenty of people that are drawn to work with you, right? So it's this conflict of like, I must know what I'm doing because I stay in my particular industry and I keep educating, which I know is what you do, right? Mm -hmm. Keep educating yourself. You keep reading up. 
but, and you keep refining your own work process, but haven't yet said my work process is unique enough that I think it could be of benefit to others who either exist in the industry already is one set of readers or who are considering the industry and trying to figure out their own model. You know, you now have this depth of experience that perhaps your lessons learned in your model could help inform people mm-hmm. who are sort of that next generation of thought leaders in your particular space. I think educate is definitely like if I, if I were to write, it would be for that purpose. I think kind of building up who takes our place is really important. And I like the way you framed that in terms of lessons learned. I could probably, I could probably wrap my brain around that more than like, this is the Jonalyn model, but more like, this is what Jonalyn has learned. (laughs) And these are the challenges and mistakes and, and opportunities that have come out of it. Because I do think that there is a real need for, especially in the consultant space, uh, a people first approach where the end product isn't necessarily the strategic plan or the deployment of an impact fund. It's really the people who are leading it and how you support them in doing that. I don't know if we are post COVID, but you know, a different, a different stage of it where we are working with leaders who are tired and, 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 and burnt out and kind of centering the work on people, I think is in, as opposed to product is really important. And so if I were to write, it would probably be with that, that, that mindset, I could probably wrap my brain around a little bit more easy than this is, this is how you do it, but more, Hey, this is what I learned. And, and it's, and it's hard and, and important. Well, and I think that's where just staying on that point of maybe initially sharing reflection and awareness even more than, right, you should do it this way, or this way will guarantee a certain result, right? Which can feel, which is very appealing as a, to a lot of people who want to read an industry book, but then there's a whole other sort of empathetic group of the rest of us that say like, I don't need to read that this model is going to overpromise and underdeliver a particular outcome. I actually want to learn what it was like on the emotions and the feeling and the empathy side of the process. And that's sometimes where I find for people like yourself, creating a workbook or a really specific guided experience, term it a journal or again, a workbook, Mm -hmm. educational materials kind of creates that stepping stone for people where you as a thought leader can kind of plant a flag and Mm -hmm. say like, this is my space. I'm in this space. If you go to research me on the internet, I would like some sort of product to come up as part of the suite of what I support people, but may not yet be at the thought leadership. And have you ever thought of that type of initial publishing experience for yourself? Not until right now. <laughs> I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of the of the sort of tension of where, or maybe the sweet spot of where I sit in the space. I have this wild, I like to call it my career jungle gym. So I didn't arrive at this with 
you would have asked me 20 years ago if this is what I would be doing. And I would say, I, you, you can do that. Like you can both care for people and focus on growing a business. Like how does that, how do those things fit together? Because I hadn't really seen it modeled. I had seen coaching in really kind of the energy empathy space. And I'd seen coaching in the like business product process space. And my goal is to really try and marry those two. Because I do think that there's a lot of folks who end up in business positions who come from either the social sector or a people first approach, or folks who've been in the business space who are saying, I am, this, this isn't working for me. And so how do I center myself in the space and in the work? And so, I mean, I almost think there would have to be two workbooks, kind of the workbook that you come at this from. So my background, you know, I'm trained as a social worker and, with my MSW and, and also have an MBA. So I've kind of sat at those intersections of people in business. So I think that there's probably a workbook that would be for social workers and kind of, or, or folks who come with the energy empathy space. And how do you how do you translate those skills into a successful business, institution, nonprofit, whatever it is that you're working on? And also those who come at it from the super, you know, finance business space who are saying, how do I lead differently? Because I do think that they would be, they would maybe need to be two parts of a whole with my goal saying at the end of the day, we can all be all those things. And I really, truly believe we can be. But some of that is through teams, right? You can't just do it all yourself. You have to surround yourself with people who bring skills and talents that you don't have because otherwise you'll work all day, every day and and not be as successful in the work because while we like to be superheroes, we are not. We accept that we are not superheroes here. And we that is not something we aspire to in order to feel all the joy and success that we are. But I think, you know, there's also another part that you only briefly touched on just now, which is, again, that sort of academic part of you that I found that quite a few people who I've talked to who come from an academic space, which includes myself and a lot of self-reflection and awareness coming out of academia, have this expectation of publishing that is very different than those who have never lived and worked in the academic world. We have, when we say journals, they're always very rigorous. They could have IRBs involved. It's very high level, almost an exclusive publishing experience. And professors who put out books, right, they are also someone who is, you know, tenure track, They probably were part of a publishing house related to a university. Mm -hmm. And it does, it has been ingrained within us for so long that publishing is only for when you reach a certain pinnacle within your career and all the rest of us just aren't there yet. We Mm -hmm. either could choose to aspire to that and do that work, but if we're not going to do that work, then somehow we're not yet ready or equipped or shouldn't because we're almost putting it out as we're we're thinking that we are bigger than we really because again mm-hmm. in academia mm-hmm. right you've got to read reach a certain level for that to seem possible for you 
Yeah. And so as you sort of respond to that thought, do you think that that is part of what holds you back from perhaps pursuing publishing in the field that you're in right now? Cool. Big questions for a Tuesday morning, Erin. Maybe. Is that an answer? <laughs> Can Good I go answer. with maybe? <laughs> yeah. I, th I think there's a part of that. I have co I've been kind of the last person in a co-author in a formal journal publication that universe, Dr. Megan Meyer really kind of led the effort and formerly led by Dr. Amy Cohen Callow, who, who was a dear, dear friend and mentor to me and really kind of brought me into the space of saying, you have a lot to contribute in the research space and, and kind of brought me in into that in part because she used to always say, you bring something that we as academicians don't bring. You bring actual experience and you bring lessons learned that we as researchers were limited in that because our role is to research. And so I miss Amy every day but she is really, she kind of set me in many ways on my career path that I'm on, but also has always, had always, will always encourage me in spirit to continue to think about what is it that I bring. And Megan has been really amazing in that she's kind of honored Amy's legacy by bringing me along on some of these publications. And what I've learned is I'm not an academician and I actually have no aspirations for it. I, I... I like to do the work. I like to be in the moment with folks, but I love that there are other people who are interested in that and are interested in taking it to whether it's journals or things like that. And, and recently it's not, it's not yet official. So, but we're going to go, we're going to go with it. But Megan and I co-wrote a chapter in a textbook and what was really powerful about it was she brought all the academic side and the research side, and I brought the practical implementation, right? So what does that, what does it mean? And this was, a, it's a social work textbook. So what does it mean for us as social workers to do community practice? And so I do think that there's, I, I'm actually really comfortable that I haven't reached the pinnacle from an academician standpoint, because I, I actually think that's counter to who I am as a person but that there's an opportunity to do contribution to that. And I think probably that's like the biggest reason I haven't published anything on my own is I see myself as a contributor to something bigger. And the work that I do is to contribute to the work that others are doing. And so I find that tension of, is this really my own? Or am I, is this someone else's and I'm supporting them in it? Or are we co-creating together and so the thought of me kind of going out and writing something when most of my work has, all of my work really has been in partnership with other people. I think that like idea of being a contributor or a co-contributor feels much more comfortable to me. And the thought of being the lead and having others contribute uh, is, a, is a stretch. It's a stretch for me. And so I think that's probably... I'm, 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 I'm super happy to, to, to be in the, the background and to be the like backbone and cheerleader and, and driver of other folks. I think that's why I love coaching. And so to, to write and to publish means I have to put myself out there, which is vulnerable and, and, and I have never done any of this work alone. And so it's like, how would, 
I would need to do it in a way that really honors that this has been a life's journey where so many people have contributed to my learning and, and, and so that would have to be a big part of it for me. I don't know if I exactly, again, answered your question, but I went with it. You did. I, you did for you, right? And that's the whole point of the conversation. Just touching on a few things that you said, which as you kept talking, which I love in these unscripted conversations, right? As you kept talking, I could almost like feel you unpacking why it is that you aren't choosing to be the first author or the Mm -hmm. only author on a book is because of, it is part of that experience that you've had being a co-author, either in parallel, quote unquote, sort of lower on the list. And then deciding like getting out of that mindset of not being part of a team So it literally is only yours or you are the lead on the project and sort of claiming that I'm certainly not implying you should jump ahead of any of your process because you might not be there now, but is an interesting tension that I think a lot of writers have is finding their comfort zone of how they can write, which Mm -hmm. for so many people is I can write a beautiful report. I can write an accurate. It's not even like beautiful as in, you know, physically beautiful, right? I can write a very accurate detailed report. I could write a very well thought out strategic plan. I can write a journal article or a whole chapter of an academic book. But translating that into something where people don't already know who you are can also be part of that tension or that stretch for a lot of writers because it's putting yourself out there for someone to just find you that's Mm -hmm. never worked directly with you or doesn't have any connection to possibly ever work with you. Yeah. Can possibly be part of that unknown factor keeps Mm -hmm. you from publishing. Yeah. You know, it took, it took forever even just for me to do a website and I hardly promote it. <laughs> so that resonates with me for sure of, uh, yes, putting myself out there. And uh, will anyone find value in that? And for me, it's about making sure that what I do adds value. But you made me think, well, what is the value that's that's lost if I if I don't do it? And maybe there's none but maybe there is. So. And until you figure out for you what it is that you really want to stand behind, because there, because there are so many authors who also wrote a book that aren't yet in the place to publicly talk about the book on repeat, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the other side. So you could yeah. go put something out there. I can see multiple directions of what you could take. But the part that would be unfortunate is until that book that you go to write or workbook or journal, whatever it's called, until it lights you up, mm-hmm. you're going to do all the work, you're going to publish it, and then you're never going to talk about it. And it's almost like it it, you accomplish something which can have a level of self-satisfaction, mm-hmm. but it can almost set yourself up for some disappointment of like, oh, wait, I did all of that. 
And now it doesn't feel right to talk about it consistently. Mm. Yeah. I have no visions of grandeur that I would need to go on a book tour or anything like that, but I do uh, putting, putting all of the energy and effort in, I, I would want to make sure it's promoted enough that people who need it or want it can find it. And that would add value. This is why I love this conversation. Cause again, I think there are many people who will be listening, who have that same sort of set of experience that you have in the volume of writing in a wide variety of platforms. And yours isn't even, you're not even like the social media, right? Long close writer. You're not a blogger, right? You truly are writing extensive documents, reports, chapters, mm-hmm. plans. So it's not as if there's a word count that is intimidating. <laughs> or yeah, no. A page count that's intimidating for you. It is saying to yourself, where do, what, where do I want to plant a flag? Because once I do it, right, I sort of want to wrap it into the services that you offer. Yeah. And you just haven't figured that, that part of the puzzle out yet. Yeah. Yeah. You've helped me write stuff. You know, there's many, many, many pages that don't even go into the final documents. So yeah. Word count doesn't scare me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Which is a fear for some, right? Like, I don't know how to take my social posts or my poem or something that feels like it's going to have too much white space and put it into a book. Yours is almost the, I won't, I won't say the opposite, but it's just a different set of challenges that I have no fear that you could write something very extensive, very thoughtful, very well thought out. But your challenge is what is it? Like what's yeah. the hook? Who's it serving? And what shelf, right? Would it even end up on? You know me. I mean, I'm not short on words. So, <laughs> but I think for me, it's around kind of what are the words that are most meaningful? And, and you know, it's so interesting. I, I feel like my life is these extremes in a good way, right? So I mean, the other side of me is when I need time to reflect that I like, I write poetry, but I would never publish that either. So it's just this interesting, um, yeah, it's this interesting, for me, it would be around kind of how do I integrate meaningful things in my own life, but also that, that could be meaningful for, for other folks too. Well, and as a complete outsider, right, it's always easier to see some places that someone like yourself could write about. But again, I've definitely come from the position that I sit in now of helping people publish. There is a different way in which people approach the work that are so clear about what their topic is and what it is they want to talk about and who they want to reach and what the call to action is. And those that almost seem too early in the process just Mm -hmm. pursue it because it feels like it's something they quote unquote should do. Should do, do. yeah. Um, And so you're not there yet, which is why I love you being willing to share that part of the process today, because I, I know that there are so many others like you who feel those same set of questions, but also probably have people around you that are saying like, but but why not? Why are you not mm-hmm. publishing? And so you being honest about 
no, we're not going to end this call. And you'd be like, yes, now it's my time. Like that's not our goal today. <laughs> it's more just like planting the seed to think about, will your time come? Or is part of who you are as a writer always wanting to do it with others? And that is just yeah. your happy place, not your comfortable yeah. place. It is your happy place. I mean, there is no way I would ever write anything that the sole voice would be my own. I think it would absolutely have to, I would want it to include the voices of others, whether it's a featured chapter, whether it's a, you know, how, how doing these things impacted them. The solo part just isn't, isn't very, honestly, it isn't very interesting to me. So to me, it would really be how I bring the voices and experiences of others into the space because that's that's what lights me up it's i think it's i am here on this earth doing what i'm doing and so i think that that would be you would never find a book by just jonalyn that wouldn't be a thing but that could be a fun title i'm just saying it's just jonalyn <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll see Maybe so, the intro intro and outro are by Jess Jonalyn and then the rest is, you know, everyone else. So as we sort of bring our conversation to a close, if if there was someone else who was listening that you think is probably in the same space as you when it comes to writing both the experience level and not yet sure, or almost pretty clear that any form of publishing is not going to come out from just you. What would, what sort of, I'd say sort of empathetic thought or connection to those people would you offer? So they say to themselves like, no, it's okay that it doesn't feel like it's your time. Yet. Yeah, I say this to all my coaching clients. We know ourselves best, right? We we know even even if we're in a moment where we forget some of who we are or we're in transitions and quite frankly feel a little bit lost, whether it's personally or professionally, we know ourselves. So if you're not ready, you're not ready. And I'm saying this as much to myself as I am to anyone listening is if lots of people are talking to you about this in multiple ways, it might also be a time to dig deep into yourself and say what's holding you back from doing it and get really clear on 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 if you actually aren't ready or if you actually don't want to do it so that you can say no or you can say yes. Mm, I love that thought. The definitive no is just as important as the definitive and the definitive no can be so hard for people to say when like there's all these little seeds sort of planted already yep. and you're like well yep. I don't know is it me holding me back but sometimes right unpublished authors or even authors who are convinced by are trying others are trying to convince them to write their second book or their third right. book Sometimes we do have to just give our own definitive no, because we're not there. We may never get there. And that's okay. Cause it's our job. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for this uh, it's a different twist on these conversations, which is why I love people like you that are willing to come on 
and share all different aspects of publishing. And so if someone were to find you, not in pursuit of saying like, yes, go publish, but more <laughs> like, I'm curious about what she does to know that even what she does write might be of help or interest to them. How would they find you, my friend? So LinkedIn, on Denlinger on LinkedIn, I'm the only one uh, that, I, that I know of. If there's more, I can't wait to meet you. Or, or I, like I said, uh, it took me a long time to get a website, but I got one. It's jdenlingerconsulting.com. And I would love to, to hear from you. And, and maybe there's some potential co-writers out there. Wouldn't that be a beautiful follow-up to this segment is if someone says, I also like writing in a team way and I happen to relate to what you do. That would be a pretty incredible connection that this podcast can make. Well, and it's one of your gifts, Erin. You're really good at connecting good people. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. And it is partly why I'm doing this. I feel such a privilege to have this really depth and breadth of a network and all the different industries that I've worked at and holding on to all of those people kind of seems unfair. So hopefully the podcast <laughs> helps connect people. Awesome. All right, my friend, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Okay, friend, are you ready to share one piece of content you've been holding back on? Trust your instincts and press publish. If this episode sparked curiosity in your publishing journey, head over to thehabitizedlife.com for more resources. Or check out the after show with our guests on Instagram at habitizedlife. All the links mentioned today are in our show notes. And hey, I'm off to reheat my cup of coffee for the second time today, but I'll meet you back here next week with a fresh cup and a new episode.